Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. I have been in marketing now for predominantly 20 years, um, especially so with... You're probably getting good at it by now. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey gang, it's Tim. I'm here with Jan Black of NT Holdings. She's the marketing director for a conglomerate of of clinical trial related. So this is serious. Uh, this is serious business that's highly technical, um, you know, is not sort of uh, the traditional sort of internet business that we talk about frequently. But and that's why Jan's here, because I really, really want to dig into what a complex, mature business that has has non sort of, uh, you know, internet growth ideas about it. What 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 a marketing director is looking for in an agency and how agencies can best prepare themselves to pitch a complex business like this. So Jan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. So yes, thank you for the introduction. So I'm now um, working for a company called PM Holdings and they are concerned with the overall clinical trial value, which is feasibility studies to market access. And what the holding does is bring innovative technologies, IT solutions, consulting and training services all under one umbrella to the client. Um, I have been in marketing now for predominantly 20 years, um, especially so with... You're probably getting good at it by now. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I would say communications and events and I say a lot of the strategy work are strengths. But interestingly, during my career, I actually worked in a creative agency myself as an account manager for three years. And that gave me a very different perspective from the client side. And obviously, as I've grown and developed in marketing roles, I've been heavily involved in the hiring of creative agencies to support, obviously, the, the yeah. marketing activities as, as businesses have required. And I think the world has changed very much in that 20-year landscape, um, a lot more focused around technology, innovations, and everybody wants more bang for their buck. Sure. So, you know, there's a much much more emphasis on selecting the right people that you can have a collaborative working environment with. All right. So, so I, you know, I work with creative agencies that they're the, the folks that I, I coach them and I've coached performance agencies, but, but the creative agency, frankly, is such a, Oh, it is a, uh, it's a kind of a rare beast, right? Because it, <laughs> it, it, it sort of inherently doesn't scale. Yeah. Right. Um, even though they do, yeah. Um, but it, but it's, it is like it's a rare business that relies on on sort of human insight, and it doesn't 
it doesn't benefit necessarily from the same sorts of uh, you know script-driven automations that that performance agencies do. So so more so than any other agency that you might hire, this is really like a a a human to human connection that you're trying to make, right? Because yeah. you know the, you've got to understand that they understand you. I think what I would say from my experience and why I think the question for me is like, why do I look for the external support? Obviously I have a marketing team in house, but what, what, what can a creative agency come in and add value for me? Um, I really, I really always see them as an extension of my team. So I think that you are looking very much for them to come in and give you sort of unbiased perspective I think they can be a bit more brutal with the challenges. And I think when I'm saying that, I mean that sometimes there is politics around people's decisions or a business's growth or its commercial decision. And I think if you can have people that can suggest an alternative way of looking at it, it often helps you get to your end goal and they are far more constructively placed to do that. And I think like you said, it's that the human element is really valuable because any good working relationship comes as they, you know, as they learn to understand your business needs, how you work as a team, as an organization and, and how they add value. And without them, you, you know, your success I'd say could be almost almost limited because you can only see a certain element of the picture where they come in with the whole general landscape and the more success you've got you know the 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 more the, the more the more the business can grow and scale in the way that you're suggesting right so so here's so I think what was really interesting about what you just said is is a creative agency is valuable because they're external Right, because because they're looking at you from the outside, and there's no sort of like inside politics or inside assumptions, and no. so uh, a good creative agency can actually challenge you on what you, you know, to make sure that what you say matches what you say, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the key tools in any agency, um, and I'm sure any account manager worth their dust will tell you, is having a good brief from the client. So clients can be a nightmare. So if I haven't specified specifically what I want the guys to try and achieve and how we're going to get there, that is also difficult for then the you know for the agency to then make sure they're coming back to me on brief with suitable suggestions. So you know as much as we need that collaborative working environment, you do need the client to be almost clear on what the vision is, but maybe struggling with the route to get there. And that's yeah. where the the agency support comes in as very valuable. Now with with my creative agencies that, that I work with, I encourage them to, they run the brief process. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right, you know that's because because they 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 do this all the time, right? They know the questions that need to be answered. So, as a big part of of you know, once the agreement is sort of figured out, the very first thing that they do is go in and do discovery and do a uh, you know, so as yeah. like phase zero is the collaborative uh, <laughs> creation of a brief, right? You know, because that because everybody's sort of got on be on the same page. So, if if you were if a marketing agency of a creative agency was, was was pitching you and and you know and they didn't have a process for creating a brief 
What, yeah. what do you think? What are, what are like, what's all the stuff that can go wrong? Well, I think in any, um, you know, it's misinterpretation of information. So the way we say or present something to one can easily be interpreted by another. And I think by not having um, a clear parameter of one, you know, what is the challenge? You know, background is important for the agency. So how, how, how as a business have we got to where we are? You know, what is the mission and vision that's looking to take us to the next level? And what is the predominant challenge that we're coming to you with? You know, if it's brand, are we looking at tech? Are we looking at strengthening, positioning? Are we saying that against the competitive landscape, we don't have enough traits and therefore we're looking for noise? You know, it depends on what the, the challenge is that we've got and how that support then comes from a creative agency. Usually in my, you know, from the project briefs I've been involved in and the experience, it's, it's taking something outside of the box and really getting that I'm going to use the word creativity, I think. We're not all blessed with extraordinary creative skills and we can map this journey in our head for where we think our buyers like going to engage with us. But it doesn't always look that way when you're trying to get the materials ready, when you're trying to tell the story. And I, I do think the expertise within any creative agency can really help with that storytelling and visualization. Right. So, so... I mean, what's very cool about creative agencies is they often want to tell stories, right? That's sort of, yeah. you know, that's that they that's often in their their soul. Often, great stories get beat out of the creative throughout the the, the <laughs> sort of the approval process, right? So, yep. so there's, you know, sort of there's the spec design that is really great, and you know, everything was happy, and then by the time it actually goes into production, it looks like every other website in the world or it looks like every other ad in the world. So, so how, how do you, how, how would it be best for an agency to help you as a marketing director fight that fight so that the humanity in the, in the design you know, stays, stays, stays there or the, the customer centricity of the design stays um, you know, in focus and it doesn't get beat down by the concept that, oh, you know, it has to, we know we have to do what our competitors are doing. How do you keep that creativity inherent in the, in the? Well, I think yeah. I mean, I think that's a very good, interesting point. Particularly when you start going when you then have boards and um, you know multiple stakeholders yeah. as you're going up the food chain. So I think that you know the agency will have their foot on the pulse for what's going on with trends and technologies in the wider landscape anyway. And I think that the, the, the danger for any business is to fall into the, like, let, copying what a competitor is doing without being clear on their own mission and position and the added value for the business. And I think that's where you have to let the, the creativity be allowed to develop. So you always have a brand identity, which is fine. You need to remain true to it. But what can grow is the, the values of the business the um, the product portfolio and positioning which changes to to map out for different buyers and you'll have different personas that you're engaging with so I don't think that one model should fit all anyway and I think that the voice of the business should be what is coming through and I think it is very challenging particularly 
more in this this kind of landscape that I'm in now to have unique differentiators and have something that makes you unique because everybody is, is really fighting across the same space with different right. therapeutic areas and different experiences. And I, I would say that, you know, remember people buy from people. That, that doesn't change in whatever industry we're in. And the the reality of for who you want to have around you is still, you know, can you work collaboratively? Are they fun? Do you reach the same end goals? And all of that comes through in that vision or, you know, visual sort of look and feel as well. So I think you just have to be honest with your, go with your gut feeling and stick with what you, you think is representative of what you're trying to create. So, and how do you deal with like the, just the, the gross subjectivity of creative work, right? Because uh, I'm sure that you've been through this. I've been through it. uh, Lots of people have been through it where, where, you know, where you sweat over something and you think it's beautiful and it works and, you know, and, and somebody else who's tangentially involved in the process comes and bigfoots it and says, uh, I don't like it. Not for See, any reason, I have right? been that person. <laughs> um, so as a, you know, as an account manager where you're bridging between the client and your design team, I have been the one that has never been quite as tactful on visual perception, you know, like, Oh, that's not going to quite meet the brief. Um, I think it's a really hard line to tread because design is very subjective anyway. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, and everybody has a preference to their favorite color, to their favorite shape of logo, or they go. So I think it's, yeah, I think that it's never wrong, should we say, but it will have a different visual representation to somebody when they interpret it. So you've got to be able to demonstrate perception like what is that perception when you see it and is it misconstrued and if it's fundamentally going to be detrimental to a business then you need to put up the pressures for why this creative needs to change if you're doing campaign development and it's for a particular theme it can be quirky it can be different it can not follow a mold but the only thing you need to do is make sure you come back and measure that campaign success and see whether it was actually engaging for the audience that you had it for Right, sure. Um, uh, and we have so many tools now that help add value to metrics. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. You know. absolutely. Um, uh, so a, a, couple, a couple more questions. So as a marketing director, you know, and you, you, find, a, you find an agency that you like and trust. You, you have a, a connection with those people. How do you effectively manage sort of the, the revision cycle? Because this is something that, that creative agencies are are sort of terribly afraid of right because okay. they you know they put together something that's good it meets the brief you know objectively uh, empirically it meets the brief and the client's like oh, I'll change this thing or adjust that or I'd like it to be blue rather than blue or you know uh, and 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 this is is something where where agency owners uh, you know they try to be very sort of dogmatic. Uh, in their contracts and you get three revisions or whatever. And, and that sort of creates a, I think a, 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 it limits the relationship. So, so how do you effectively manage the change process from the client side? Um, and, and what's the, what's the, like the best response or the best sort of navigation you, you've, you can get from the agency side? 
Okay, so that that's a tough question because obviously, you know, there is commercial value within that for the agency. So if you don't protect yourself and list out how many like concepts you want yeah. to create, authors corrections you want to do, you know, you could get into a situation with a client that's a complete and utter pain after, you know, five mm. sets of something that still doesn't work. And equally, as a client, you can become frustrated whether a brief has been in, you know, not not interpreted in the way that you are trying trying to engage with so I think that the relationship you should have at that point is obviously very well established and you should be in regular dialogue at those points within the project I would be concerned if I was getting surprises at that point right right I think that was it would be more where I would be so if you think about technology today and the way a website is built, you used to get presented a couple of concepts on a JPEG. You yeah. used to go through like how it looks, how it feels. Yeah. And like you said, very subjective. Do you like a role navigation? Do you like, I don't know, these boxes listed here? Well, the world's changed now with all this digital innovation. And instead you are presented a wireframe. You're presented with layers and options and you come together with your vendor to really nail it while you're working it so that the client isn't toing and froing with with your time like with the time right. but what you do is you're having a really engaged dialogue with like this model could work here and let's add your content in here so you're building it together but right. so, it's, so it's a really it's an iterative process rather than a presentation yeah. process yeah Okay. So you're not waiting for that intuitive, like, oh, how does this look? Because we've given you A and B. You're actually like, actually, let's look at what you've got to go in this section. Let's have a look at how it works on the journey. How many pieces of, so say, for example, you've got your, your news and your, your case studies yeah. and your testimonials. Like when you're in those sections, how does it look? Do we need graphics? Do we need headings? How many have you got? Like what's the layout? And that will change depending on what sort of client you are yourself. Like how much noise can you make? And I think you need the agency to still be flexible and intuitive to your need, but trusting their creative delivery style. So yeah, sure. you, you're paying them to give you that ability to take your message to market, but you also need them to understand you've got a way you need to operate. So again, I would say, like you said, it's that building that relationship. It's the trust, having that ability to ask and question something and don't feel like it's fixed. Right. So uh, here's a, a question that I know that my creative agencies have all the time. When they, have, when they feel like they have chewed up all of the time that you have paid for, and not that I'm a, like, nobody, sh I don't, nobody should be, be billing on hours, but you know, there's a point where, where the, the, you know, the agency is just like, oh, come on, like really? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, 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 so how, how do you, like when the agency raises its hand and says, Hey, listen, this is starting to hurt. Like, you know, this is like, like, like we, there was a little bit of scope creep. We're cool with that, but now we've gone, we've gone over yeah. the line. How do you deal with that as, as, as how, do, or what's the best way for a marketing director to hear that? Honestly, you know, honestly, with um, with a demonstration of how those hours have got to that point. So, you know, sometimes it could be us by being naive to one of those elements, like yep. thinking, well, it didn't take that long, you know, what, sure. what the hell? What, why, why have they had 10 hours on that? So I think the assumption that everybody knows the process in the agency for scope, like you said, of yeah. a project would be an incorrect thing to anticipate. 
I think the better way to have started, as you suggested at the beginning, is when you are outlining those briefs and the scope of a project, if there is already a point where you almost not have a wobble, but you're a bit like, oh, this could go either way here, I would have already been up front with that. I would have costed it based on what you'd suggested model A looks like. When you've had your presentation back of B and C and you're starting to think, I really don't want to look at D, <laughs> then I would have said, like, right, you know, can we just double check in this? Do you have additional budget then to take this to the next level? Or can we work within what we've got? Because you're now just outside the parameters of the initial briefing. Right. And, right. You know, and, and it might be that they have other pressure. Like I said, sometimes if you've got a board of execs and you've got another okay. external agency, you might have a director that's got real pressure on their shoulder from somewhere else. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And, and, you know, usually on sort of like in the point of context on both agency and client, you know, usually that relationship is great because they're, you know, they're both kind of in the same boat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? They're both trying to get the project done on time, on budget, yeah. right? So, so in, in a lot of ways, those, those points of contact are uniquely aligned. It is sort of the, like, you know, the, the, the project manager on the agency side or the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, someone once removed from the project on the client side, who's putting pressure, uh, yeah. you know, right. And, and, uh, then tell me, how do you feel, how do you track actual success? Um, you know, of a project, especially if it's something like a rebrand where you're doing, redoing a new website and the, you know, the, the payoff can be, can be a long time, right? You know, it can take, you know, it can take yeah. months uh, to, to get something or even years sometimes to get something, you know, into production. Then like how quickly do you need to see it being better before you decide the project is, was a success or a failure? Okay, so you, as a marketing director, you've already got your pain point and you've already got the challenge. Yeah. So just take brand, for example. I want to build the brand perception of this business. I want to strengthen the mission and the values and I want that conveyed on everything that I can make it applicable, starting with the front-facing touch points. So your website, capabilities, decks, flyers, you know, the booths, you know. So yeah. you've got in your head already where you think this needs improving. A really good place to start is with the internal audience that already exists by a survey. So you could potentially have six key questions for like how the business has got there now, yeah. what do they think about it, you know, what is the perception. You can do your project execution and you can take that for another, say, six to eight month internal audit review with those same questions, with that same process, and see if internally you've had bigger buy-in to that yeah. way that, you know, this new collaborative set of tools, if you like, that they've got access to. You would have hoped that you have brought them into the branding process. You've already briefed them. You've had input from them. So you should have been able to bring in their immediate thoughts about what they are working with. And then I would imagine at the end of, like you said, something like a brand, 12 months in, you can go to the client base, again, with the survey orientated yeah. activity and have a look at that as a measure and a benchmark. But you should have already seen enough noise yourself between competitors, sure. like if you're out with clients, if you're in event space, you know, everybody chats, they'll be like, wow, you know, this looks really great. And you'll see if there's a dynamic yeah. position coming with that. Um, I think like these things, you know, 
brand particularly is a very hard thing to measure because it's perceptive. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it doesn't have the same metrics and dynamics, say, for example, of us taking a campaign that we're going to run for 12 months and we're going to pick all the you know, optimum places, we're going to promote yeah. it, and then we're going to have delivery metrics from Google Analytics, right. from right. the web tools, from you know wherever yeah. else we've put it in terms of a content generator. Because that gives you a very clear metrics at the end, you know, where it got posted, how many people picked it up. I think it depends on, you know, it really depends on the project. I think that for things like brand, your your main core people are the internal employees that have got to work and promote this brand and sure. love it and have your buy-in. You know, customers, yes, because you want them to feel loved and, you know, right. feel like you're, you're connecting with them. But really, you know, I, I, I still value the fact that your internal audience is just as important as your external yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, you know that sort of that the, when everyone coalesces around brand, it it creates a belief that allows people to, to to do better work and have a clear direction, all kind of stuff. Hey, do you like the Kilmer Report? I really hope so because we work hard on it. And if you'd like more content like this, I invite you to subscribe to my Friday Focus email. You get weekly updates about what's on the podcast, what's new in the world of business growth, and honestly, my weekly short video essay about the things that entrepreneurs need to be thinking about right now in order to help them create an extraordinary business in an ordinary world. I hope you'll subscribe at fridayfocus.co. That's fridayfocus.co. Tell me, tell me, like, what are some of the worst mistakes that creative agencies have made? Oh, in, your, in, your, in your experience? Um, send it. So the first one is if you've got an account, so you do your pitch, you meet the team, and then they give you an account manager that's not got any clue about who you are, what you do, or where you are. Like, painful. You can have a very painful three right, months so, inducting. Like, right. So so there's the, the, so the, the mistake there is that the pitch team didn't do a good strategic download to the account team. So like you as a client, you're wasting your time. Well, you kind of bought into someone else's expertise. I don't mean that to sound like condescending, but whoever pitched that took some value out of what you'd asked them to come in and was able to articulate and demonstrate how how your you know your business is going to yeah. add value. Right. And you are still buying this element from a person. And if you then get that relationship transferred to somebody when you've signed the contract that you've got no working like dynamic with yet that that takes time it's almost like having an internal employee that you've got to build yeah, that sure. trust and relationship yeah, absolutely. And, I th and i think that's that that's a that's like a that's a regular like that's a regular misstep especially if you've got uh, you know in, in a smaller creative agency yeah it would be it would be the you know the founder or or ceo or somebody you know who, who or or, uh, or creative director who might actually be doing the pitch yeah. And then, but then the work gets done by somebody who's one or two levels below, and yeah, there there often is like that big disconnect. Uh, and any any other big issues that you, you you or regular mistakes you find that agencies are making when they're when they're talking with uh, especially especially when they're talking with somebody who's an experienced marketer, right? I mean, the uh, often when they're when agencies are working with inexperienced marketers. Uh, you know, there's such an imbalance of knowledge. I don't think the inexperienced person on the other side, on the client side, actually knows that mistakes are being made. But but someone with your kind of experience, you're probably like, I can smell that. You know, I... <laughs> 
um, so we have had a um, we have had a vendor supporting one of our with with one of our sort of services, and um, they like the sound of their own voice. I think that's how I'm going to describe it. So instead of listening to what your business needs and how you need a technology to work and evolve mm-hmm. for you, they like a specific way, and they are mapping out and writing things that they think you need. And when you're looking at things like your MQLs and your SQLs and you're mapping out a journey and you've got a very clear way that that needs to be divided internally in your business and they write and they are planning something that is completely off the wall for your business and refuse to listen to you. So (laughs) you're paying them. You've had this tool and it does the job on the tin but actually when they're writing the plan it isn't the plan for your business so you know when you have a very stubborn account manager I'm going to call them that it thinks they are right it is very difficult to keep barrier like having this barrier to every time you're coming with the same conversation on your weekly update that they don't you know the light bulb doesn't go off actually this isn't really working for this client (laughs) so I don't know what you do in that I mean that's a very interesting question for you where you've got agencies how do they take that passion and drive for something they're very passionate about they can't adapt to as is near at that time not saying it'll never get there but it's not always right for the client then Right. Well, I think there's 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 really two there's two big ways. Number one, the the single best trait of of an, an agency leadership group is that they pick clients that they can help. Okay. That's right. It, yeah. That's like that's number one. So yeah. so if 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 you if your technology is geared for PhDs, selling it to a really smart third grader isn't going to help. No. Right? <laughs> And and so and so that's sort of a big disconnect uh, that that happens pretty frequently because you know the, there is such there is such an emphasis especially in the on the technology side of things for growth that you know that you're probably sometimes you're making deals you shouldn't um, but the other thing is I think the one of the great the like the very best things that an agency leadership group can do is to create a, a sort of create a parallel path. Of communication, you know, so so you've got through your everyday contact, your account manager to, to your client point of contact, you know that that is sort of uh, you know that's one level of that sort of operational communication. Yeah. There should be a strategic communication where where somebody on the on the agency side who's got the juice to be able to make strategic yeah. changes or to make deal changes is having a strategic discussion with somebody on the client side. And so that might be CEO to CEO or see, you know, agency leader to, to VP of marketing or something, but somebody who's elevated and looking at the bigger picture of, you know, of how, of how this engagement can work. And I think that is something that people, people lose, hmm. right? And because in this sort of the, in the age of, of, you know, Asana and uh, Monday where, where projects are tracked down to the minutes and you know there's uh, you know and there's there's uploads and approval process and everything's automated we we often lose that like are we all headed in the right direction kind of discussion or you know like as as this evolves this is what we're seeing can we head in this direction and i think that many times those sort of of strategic level discussions get pushed under the rug because you're so busy delivering the stuff that's in the contract 
what frequency do you feel do you think that should be a standard like quarterly discussion or I mean I think like you said you do all your kickoff planning for the year you get your buy-in you go yeah. through the plan so, and then life happens so yeah so know. so I I think that uh, so so every quarter the, the operational team should be doing some sort of quarterly business review yeah. that talks you know this this is what we've did and here's where we're going but I feel like uh, for for most agencies, uh, even even bigger agencies, um, there should be some sort of leadership communication with clients. You know, probably every other month at the at the at the latest, because quarterly, you know, that's that's like thirteen weeks. That's a business unit chunk. Like that's too long for things to be frustrating, right? Yeah. And yeah, and true. and and if you're if you're a, uh, an empowered agency leader, you know, you want to make sure that, that first of all, that things are going okay today, which, you know, you should have processes to sort of manage that anyways, but you also want to be making sure that you are connecting your, your next step with the client's next step so that there can be a future beyond this project. And, and really yeah. it is like, it is that, it's that sort of communication and connection about, about possibility and next that can actually that can turn somebody from a vendor to a strategic partner right do you think and, that's true if you're a smaller agency as well where often you are dealing with the creative director is the ceo and, yeah so yes know, how does that work for a smaller agency so for a smaller agency i mean 100 percent. even even if you are the leadership that is that is involved and you're involved in the creation of the stuff and you're doing the stuff you still need to to sort of be able to elevate the conversation, yeah. right? And and you can actually, and, and uh, many of my agencies, the, the leadership team is actually still involved in deliveries. Um, but there, you need to sort of set aside a specific time with, with you know, your peer on the other side, right? And that's, and that's either a C-level or a V-level, somebody where you're talking about like, you know, not, and you, you have to make it very clear, it's not about, the specifics of this project because you have a weekly meeting to discuss that. This is about, you know, where, where the client is going, how can the agency support it? You know, is, is there the opportunity or something else in the market that should be brought to someone's attention? And I think those are the, those are the discussions where, where, where the, like the value really happens. Because at some point, once you have this, uh, for most agencies, once you've, uh, especially in sort of a brand and design, once the project is in motion, you know, it's kind of mechanical. Yeah, right? definitely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it, but, but that sort of mechanical nature means that everybody is, everybody's only looking two inches ahead, right? And, and that's not healthy for any relationship, right? You know, because, you, uh, you know, when, when you meet the right person, you know, you no longer start, you're not thinking about the next date, you're thinking about the rest of your life. And, you know, agencies and clients are similar, right? You know, you can't just be thinking like about the next meeting, you should be thinking like, oh, how can we support and serve this client, you know, next quarter, next month, or sorry, next quarter, next year, the next five years, because, you know, hopefully your, your, the, the quality and, and value of your services has earned you a right to, to, to suggest you know, that there's going to be a future beyond this project. And I think it's incumbent on the agency leadership to sort of make that happen because if they don't, 
then they're only in a reactive state because th that means that there's, you know, that there, and many agencies are like this. They do their project or run their campaign, yeah. and then they go into a sales cycle again. But that needs to, like, as soon as you, as soon as you are start working on a project, you actually need to step into a partnership role. You know, yeah, or even key account management techniques where you've got that customer appreciation. So I oh, think totally. what you're talking about is like check-in, check-in points that are wider. So, you know, if you've just, say, for example, if you've done a campaign and it's a six-month, you know, it's not the only campaign they're running. So right. are you poised with the next elements? You know, where are the connections? Is it a buyer's journey that you're mapping out and which, you know, which part of the campaign was that? Like what, what follows for the natural sequence for who they're selling to? And I think, you know, experience and expertise for that are all things that help as an agency that you you consume anyway so you take the noise from the external space like you say you don't want to be copying competition but you're aware of the landscape mm -hmm. and you know as we have all this digital um, technology all these massive innovations that are available to us how does the agency make sure that the marketing director in their busy role with like you said tactical delivery and internal pressures can have that thought beside them and be like actually yeah next month i do want to talk about that because the campaigns you know we all know in q3 and q4 if you're not starting to pull them in they don't go till the following year right. so for me that's always a trigger for me holiday season's not like oh yeah we're going holiday it's like god damn where's the number like what have we got to do for q4 you know right. what's booked in how much of the boys pipeline is going to get you know moved into q4 and where does this put us for the following year so i think for me you know q1's horrendous everyone's jumping up and down with what they need to do q2 would like to be a bit more measurable about where we put ourselves am, am i in the direction that i want to be right. moving to and then q3 i like that window with a bit more thought when everybody is not quite so heavy on email and demand yeah. right. and um, I think I think like you said a lot of that comes down to timing and the ability to engage and collaborate with somebody that can think like you I mean I love a marketing meetup in a forum just because people's expertise and a different perspective on the way they took yeah. a project sometimes gets a little seed and you're like oh why didn't I can look at that or sure. I didn't do it like that right. so I, I do think the importance of like you said just being able to have a very frank conversation about why something's working or not and that's I mean I'll bring that point back to why do I like external as part of my resource because I can have that frank conversation if it's not working because you don't want to feel like the failure you don't want to feel like what you've brought to the table is really disastrously going wrong and you don't want to be whining about all the reasons that it's not to plan but equally you need to be able to say to somebody is this reflective of the campaign God, is this market space not responding to me because I've got it wrong? Like, right. or has something changed so significantly when we thought about it three months ago that it's just way off, you know, way off anything we'd anticipated? And that's right. why I like that ability for somebody to be able to sit sit down with me and like not like sketch it out, but say, yeah, plus points, negatives. Like, let's have a way of sure. like turning it. And right. I think, like you said, if project gonna over you love things like that help because you've already anticipated that you've got more development or or less time on something yeah right all right so uh, there's one more topic i want to talk about uh, b before we, we wrap it up here how do you think about pricing so you know you know so you're you're yeah. running you know you're you, you 
either doing a, a formal or, or an informal search and you've got a, a couple of finalists and you know how do you so how do you balance the 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 financial aspect of it because you know so many agencies you know like pricing is so scary for them because they're afraid that's going to be too much or they're not going to charge enough or you know someone else is going to undercut them and they feel like buyers will you know will only they only take the like the lowest price or or even if the agency feels like they've given their lowest price there's going to be negotiation that makes the deal untenable for them so how do you think about the financial aspects of of working with an external agency Okay, so from a marketing director point of view, before I can even consider that, I have, I would want to say like negotiated the budget or given a budget, depending where I am in the world. Yeah. So I've already got some element of constraint and I've already got an idea of the core things I need to deliver with that pot of money that year. So there will be two trails of thought is one, where am I going to get more bang for my buck in terms of immediate deliveries and supporting sales and bringing in the number against my lovely marketing world where I'm nurturing and engaging and building up this amazing, you know, <laughs> amazing story of everything that the business has ever done. And as a marketing selfish side, that's where I want my money. I want it on the content. I want it on the, you know, building in the brands, building in the testimonials, having singing, dancing technologies that, you know, give you all these lovely things. The reality is that the budgets, and you, you, you will know from the way this works, that until, you know, marketing is often the first budget that is cut every time and you have to fight for your spend. Yep. And they think we spend money rather than Make money. You know, bring in money. Now, you know, depending on the size of the business that you are working in, the world has very much now taken stock of MQLs and SQLs and there is a clear process in many areas now for what does marketing do in terms of the nurturing and you know prospect element versus sales when we're actually ready for a conversation and then there is some clarity around how and what you should spend your money on when you get to that point. I think for me particularly when you come into a business where the budget is ring fence like now I've got three budgets um, they need to be used creatively. Oh. So I already know that I can't go to like the top five agencies in a domain because I don't have budget to cover sure. probably their basic, you know, the basic costs for a yep. project. So I would automatically now be thinking I want to bring in a vendor which is much smaller more able to be flexible with me yeah. and respond to where I need to go at the demands of my work. Right. And I also do want them to tell me where I can not do all singing, dancing, project A versus where you do need to spend it to get your longevity. So I would call it juggling. Like there is no right way and it would depend on what you are tasked with as your objectives by your executive team for what you need to deliver. And fundamentally it leads to the business and making noise about a company sure. regardless of what business you're in. I think the steps that you put into place get there depend on where a company is in its life. 
Right. So, right. you know, as you're coming out of a startup phase, you have very different challenges. If you've got good reputation in market and you're now coming up against a very competitive landscape, you know, how do you position your USPs and the differentiators in that market and run stronger campaigns? Because you know your reach, you know who you're talking right. to. Sure. Like, how, how are you educating? And that's where you have to decide where to spend your money. So pricing... You know, you know, I've just come away from a, you know, one of the top um, CROs with a budget, and you know, it's frightening what you can pay for content production. Yeah. You know, fourteen thousand pounds for like one blog article. Holy in, in, Yeah, I mean, it, but in some areas of a business, that would be somebody's total budget to run maybe sure. six campaigns yeah, over absolutely. twelve months. Absolutely. So I think you know, like it's just like anything when you're shopping for yourself. I do. If I want a nice bag I'll save and get a bag I really want. If I want that I'm throwing on the aeroplane, needs all my crap in it, I'll just buy the backpack that's functional. Yeah. I don't think it's it doesn't translate any different to me when you're looking at how to spend a budget. If you pay, you know, my husband's famous quote is always buy cheap, pay twice. You know, he still says that in life. Yeah. He, he, it's hard when it becomes services because you might have somebody that's independent can offer you huge amount of value and has no overhead. So therefore can, you know, can respond to your needs, but would that person remain scalable as you come to need bigger services and more support? Are they de-risked? Right. That's, that's a, that's a, a a treacherous thing as people try to elevate their client quality is they have not de-risked themselves. Uh, you know, yeah. enough to, 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 you know, even though they, they might actually be able to do better work, uh, you know, I have a, something like that happened to my last agency. The, the CMO actually came to me and we were a small team at that point and said, uh, and said, you are the best people that we've talked to. And I thought like, great, we're signing this deal. And then, she, and then she said, but, you know, this is a big budget and we have concerns, you know, uh, uh, you know, about your small team size, because as we grow yeah. and change, you know, we are afraid that we're going to put you under stress. So we've chosen somebody else. And how did you respond to that? Because that's quite frustrating because you could have had the option to scale up the team if you knew the longevity of the work is there. Yeah. So, 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 um, uh, you know, uh, I accepted that criticism graciously and I said, you know, we are who we are. Like we can't, we can't be bigger than we are today. Um, But, you know, you know that we will, you know, that we will continue to improve and grow and, you know, we are not giving up any of our, uh, of our, of our top end, you know, opportunity. And, um, you know, as it turns out, glad we didn't get that business because the company went under, you know, not, not too far after that. So it was, it was okay that we didn't get that business in the long run. No, I must say it, it did, uh, you know, in, in the moment, you know, someone saying you, yeah. were, you were the best and then to have that sort of ripped out from underneath you, it was, it was pretty painful. Um, and that's not on pricing. There's nothing you did with budget. That's no, about no. them looking at the longer picture right, of what they need, not right, a budget. Right. That was, a, that was about risk, uh, which is something that, that is really, it's a really difficult thing for, for smaller agencies to understand that bigger companies yeah. don't always buy the, the best return. They buy the best combination of return and risk. Mm, right? I, think it's, I think that's very true. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so just uh, one, one, one last thought here. Um, what is the best, like, what is the best way for an agency to get your attention? 
Oh, good question. I am a loyal girl. So I go back to those that I have worked with before. Okay. Um, so in any, in any environment looking at that, I would be looking obviously at their main external touch points. So as we know, the web is probably the main, yep. you know, main place people go to first. So I would be looking to see what, what, what they are presenting the world as themselves yeah. and whether that resonates with me. I definitely would still be looking for client testimonials and positioning pieces. And I think here you're looking at the scale of the businesses they've worked with, the industries, that kind of perception. Sure. It's really nice if you can see some campaign work and some samples of obviously what they've delivered. Yeah. You know, I know you don't have the brief, but you can get a consensus sure. for of kind yeah. of what they were. Um, you know, recommendation is huge. Um, particularly as you come into some of the niche sectors, although you don't want to be doing what your competition is right. doing, yeah. you do need somebody that has enough experience about the, the 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 people you're trying to engage with, how that challenges and pain points are for them, and and what you know how people have addressed that before. So you know, I, I, as I said to you at the beginning of our chat today, people buy from people, and you're looking to engage and work with people that you've clearly got some sort of rapport with. Yeah. And you know, we all know that when you're networking and you meet people out, and it's far less informal than the whole like, oh, we're going to ring you for business. You know, if you've had a beer with them and you've met them, they've done a presentation that you've yeah. seen. It's far more engaging than someone sending you an email saying, oh, we can offer you services of this because you're just right. in it. But but so but 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 so. You you would respond to sort of obviously the public presentation of, of their capabilities. Yeah. You mentioned presentation. Uh, you know, if, if, if they, you go to net, say yeah. marketing, for example, you know, as, as I am, where I am in the world, I will go to many specific marketing activities yeah. and I like to network. So, you know, if they've got to say I'm looking at SEO and they've got this amazing SEO, they've got the top five things that I need to know about it against my pain points. And I can sit there and resonate with that. And I think, oh my, like, oh, I need you to help me because uh, number three is a nightmare and I need yeah. number three off my right. list. Like exactly. you've already done your sell to me because yeah. I can already get over that. Sure. You know, like, you know what you're doing. I feel confident. I know what you're doing. And usually there's somebody next to me having a glass of wine saying, oh, you know, Pete did that project for me last month. He was great at it. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you're already like, you're already ready with your brief. Like, yes, yes let's come and right, talk to right, me right, because right. I need your help. And, so I think that that sort of, you know, the marketing network is important no. to be connected and to have that, you know, everybody's not right for everybody. Of so course, depending on what your challenge is, I like to know that, you know, if you just want like an SEO project running for three months, Joe blogs there can give you that and he gives you a price and there's yeah. your work. Equally, like you said, actually, I'm looking to scale a full digital project. I want all of my web changed. I want all of the SEO done. I want security managed by them. I want to build in the whole, you know, marketing automation components. I want this platform. I need to know that the people I'm bringing in for that project have done it and know yeah. what they're doing. Right. And and how about the sort of the the uh you know the the sort of the more regular or the the sort of uh, maybe the 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 more sort of salesy ways of of getting your attention. Uh, so cold email, for instance, you know. Um, bin goes in the bin. Uh, yeah. Okay. All yeah. of it. All yeah. Of it? Bin okay. it. Oh, uh, and what about LinkedIn connections? Okay, I have a bugbear with LinkedIn as a marketeer. Yeah. So as you know, I just changed jobs in January. The world and their dog has proceeded to email me with these services that clearly I must need. 
and they have all been declined. So if you're messaging me on LinkedIn with the service, I have declined it. And the reason for that is, is because it's just a phishing exercise to see, you know, what I would prefer to be doing. And I often do this, like if I'm struggling with needing something, you know, like with the crisis we've got in China right now, I need giveaways that can come from a European or a US vendor avoiding the China mix. So I do post on LinkedIn and I do go to connections. Then I'm happy to receive that feedback. What I don't want is the unsolicited 24 seven type, like I can help or I can support you because I haven't asked you for any help or support. And therefore i i don't feel the need to have that chat with you now right um, of course, so i think of course. it's like about time a lot of it comes down to timing as well really yeah totally totally uh, so th- that's 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 always been the case um but uh but this has been awesome <laughs> like, like you know i mean uh you know i mean it's been i mean i was a cmo so so i understand a lot of these a lot of these these ins and outs but to hear it you know to hear that um uh you know the world is still the same, right? Where, you know, like, you know, you're still connecting with people trying to work through towards a common goal and that the very best way to, uh, to sort of, uh, you know, to, to get through bumps in the road or is through good communication. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that's just so, is so informative that, you know, that when it comes right down to it, um, there is, there is no magic, right? Like there's no, there's no magic way to scale. There's no magic way to sort of, you know, make your clients happy, except to be human, right? Yeah. 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 And honest, you know, I do say honesty and integrity will take you far. If you're not right for it and you can't do it, tell the client, recommend somebody that can do element B. You know, you you don't have to, you don't have to meet every demanding client's needs, but you need to remember, like you said, what is your core value to that client? Why have you picked that client? Because you've got to work with them too. You don't want to dread it when the phone rings and be like, oh, they're on the phone again. Absolutely. You are, (laughs) you know, building that dynamic. And like you said, with anything like budgets, project scope, you should be having that, you know, they are no different from you going in, sitting next to your colleague in, in the office. You've, you know, you're not going to always see eye to eye, but you've got to find a way to get through those bumps and get it so that you can all get on with what you've been asked to do. And, and I do think, you know, we spend, what, over 40 hours a week at work. It's got to be fun. So oh, everyone that we work with needs to know that you're, you know, quite human, quite normal. And we have crap days. You know, if I'm having a crap day, don't talk to me about something I don't, I'm not buying into already, like, because it's just the wrong day days talk to me but then equally i might ring and say yes i'm loving life we're gonna do this you know let's let's scope this out and then you might get an amazing campaign with you just just don't know right well jan i hope that this has not been a crap day for you (laughs) no it's a very good friday afternoon distraction all right thank you fantastic thank (laughs) you so much for your time jan black very welcome this has been a great discussion thank you so much no worries Thank thank you and you take care Hey, it's Tim. Thanks for tuning into the Kilroy Report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who loved this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good.